Welcome to Bound for Justice, your weekly podcast that explores race, reconciliation, and social justice, one book at a time. Join us for a candid discussion about taking steps to create change in our lives and the communities we live in. And now your hosts, Rachel Rosman and Charlotte Wilson. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Bound for Justice. I'm Charlotte Wilson. I'm Rachel Rosman. And I'm Sharissa Foley. Well, welcome back, ladies. How's everybody doing? Doing pretty good. How about you? Doing all right. Enjoying the summertime. Anybody have anything exciting going on in their lives or any great summertime experiences? Uh, my family and I just recently came back from Chicago. Uh, we went to visit some family there. My in-laws live there and um, my husband is from Chicago. So we got a chance to go visit, see family for a little bit. We took a uh, uh, the kids down to the Magnificent Mile, which they had never been to, you know, Nike Town and all that fun stuff. So we had a really good time. That's a good time. Chicago is a great city. Great city. I love Chicago. And I did see the picture. Didn't you guys stand in front of the Bean? We did. We went to the Bean. I had been wanting to go to the Bean for a while. I hadn't really realized that it's been there for 10, 12 years. Wow. Something like that, which really? I was like, really? It's been here this long and I've never been here. So, yes, we went down to the Bean, took, you know, the typical touristy picture but it was fun we had a really good time so very cool yeah i'm excited the well the girls are excited they're going to take their first trip to chicago in a couple of weeks with their dad so i think it'll be a great experience for them as well very good city to go visit Okay, so for this week, we are doing something a little bit different. Um, We are not talking about a book, but we're actually going to be talking about a television series. So um, at the end of May, a new Netflix limited series was released called When They See Us. And it's a four-part series that um, was directed by Ava DuVernay. Um, Oprah Winfrey is the executive producer. And it's a four-part series, each episode lasting approximately 60 to 120 minutes, all documenting and sort of exploring everything that happened around the um, Central Park jogger case that occurred back in the uh, early 90s. And really, um, the story is very much focused on the five young men who were... um, accused of that crime, subsequently sent to prison, and um, they each you know, spent time for prison and then ultimately exonerated um, after the real um, person who committed that crime came forward and confessed to it. So really what Ava DuVernay does in this um, documentary series is tell the story of, of those five boys and the experience that they had. Um, the names of those five young men, Kevin Richardson, Antron McRae, Yusef Salam, Corey Wise, and Raymond Santana. So what we really want to do, um, I think the series in and of itself, I think it, it affected all of us quite a bit. We really, I think, got a lot out of it. And um, I think the way that DuVernay tell, told the story um, was, was very um, impactful. So we really want to just take our time over the next two episodes to reflect on the experience of watching that ep- those episodes and sort of what, what we pulled from it. So I feel like, and I I know we've had a number of conversations, you know, outside of the podcast about this, this um, series already, definitely a very emotional experience watching these four episodes. Definitely emotional. Yes. I watched them twice because I watched them on my own and then wanted a friend to watch them. And I felt like I did better the second time, but only because I knew when things were coming up. So I would kind of divert my attention more, but it was, it was pretty intense. It, it's, um... A friend of mine said, don't watch more than one episode a day. And I think that's good advice. Yeah, I 
wasn't prepared to watch it. And so when I first started watching it, um, I said, okay, I'm not in the right headspace right now to watch this. I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to watch it again later. And uh, again, in the smaller chunks, because it was very, um, very heavy, you know, very, very heavy. So definitely take your time if you're going to watch it, if you haven't yet. That's what I, so did you say that you watched it with another person, Rachel? Yes. Both times or just the first time? Just the first time. Okay. Or no, just the second time. I'm sorry. And Sharissa, did you watch it alone or by yourself? I started watching it with my husband and... We both decided, okay, yeah, we're not ready to watch this. And then I decided I wanted to watch it by myself. I just, uh, it was just so emotional. I just, it was better to watch it alone for me personally. Other people may feel the opposite. They may need somebody with them Mm. when they watch it. So it's just personal choice. Yeah, I wonder, it was a very emotional experience watching the series. I watched it alone for the most part. And I guess I wonder though, like, would my experience have been different if I had had somebody else in the room while I was watching it? I almost feel like because I was alone and I wasn't worried about anybody else around me, you know how it is when you get to, you know, the, the choke up part of the movie yeah. and everybody's like, are you crying? I'm like, yes, I'm crying. <laughs> Thanks um, for pointing it out. <laughs> right. I, I might not have been, it might have been harder perhaps to watch it um, or I might not have had as much of an emotional response if I was concerned about other people around me. So maybe being alone allowed me to maybe sort of get into the story a little bit more. I agree with that, being a little bit more emotionally unguarded so that you could actually really feel, you know, what was going on in the story. I I can relate to that a lot. I think I might have cried harder during certain episodes during the second time when I watched it because it I had time to kind of think about it and stew mm-hmm. over it a little bit more and what was happening. Um, but I did notice that when I watched it the second time, like the first time I watched it, I, I cried. And the second time I cried. But... I was kind of like a, when I watched it with the person, I'd be like, okay, now pay attention to this because I missed this the first time. Uh-huh. So, so I was more focused on that. I kind of not spoiled it, but the other thing I had to do, I had to, like, I had strategies when I watch it. And so at certain times I would turn down the volume and put on the closed captioning so that I could separate myself from it a little bit and kind of keep my mind busy doing other things, which I think might've taken away some of the, I mean, I did it to take away some of the emotional aspect of it so I don't know if that was the best thing or not but but it allowed you to get through it yes I coping strategies yeah Yeah. exactly so for those of you who might not be aware of this Central Park Jogger case just a little bit of a setup Um, the show is based on the events of the 1989 Central Park Jogger case and basically what happened is these five young men were um, charged with the rape um, in the assault of um, the Central Park jogger, and they were all really young. I mean, I don't. I think the oldest was maybe sixteen, um, and the youngest fourteen. Somewhere, so yep. very young boys, uh, middle school to early high school young men, um, unfairly accused and again um, convicted of this crime and, and spent time in jail. So I'm curious to know: Did you guys know anything about the Central Park jogger case before watching the series? I know that I'd heard about it, but when I'd heard about it, nothing, I didn't, I never knew the final result that they'd been exonerated. And I think that when I did find out about that, um, it wasn't anything that was noteworthy. Like it was just kind of something in passing, like, oh, you know, I think I might've looked up the Central Park Jogger case for something because I'd heard about it somewhere else. And then it was like, oh, and then a few years later they were exonerated, the end, um, and so I didn't put into perspective exactly what was happening, but I, and I think I'd heard about, 
Donald Trump with his comments and mm. taking out. I think that's probably why I knew about it, quite honestly. Did, did DuVernay cover some of this in 13th? I feel like she did. Maybe that's right. Yeah, I think I think I, it's just now coming to me because I, I definitely was aware of it. And I couldn't remember why. I think that may have been where I saw it. And 13th so. is another Netflix series that Ava DuVernay did. Yes. Yes. A very yeah. good documentary. Again, really heavy content. Very eye opening. They're definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I didn't know anything about this case. I think maybe I had heard references to it in the past, but didn't really know much about it. And I think that was part of the reason why I wasn't ready when I sat down to originally watch it, because I didn't really know much about it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really okay. This is a lot. So, yeah, I didn't know much about it. And um, that's why I think this is such a important thing for people to see and watch and and know about Um because it was so impactful, I think we need to talk about this mm-hmm. stuff for sure. Because yeah, how old would you have been when this actually happened? I think they, I think the incident mm-hmm. happened in 1989, so I was eight years old. So I mean, I was a kid. I wouldn't have been aware of any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I would have. I would have been in elementary school still, <laughs> so I probably wouldn't have heard about it on the news. Um, but I do know that when I when I'd heard about it before, like, it just seemed like a very cut and dry case. Like, before you hear about them being exonerated, like, well, there were these five kids that, you know, did this and, and they went to jail for it, you know, hooray, justice was served. Yeah. Um, so I never, I never realized the depth of the situation, I guess. So the first episode really gives us a lot of background about the boys, Kevin, Antron, Yusuf, Corey, and Raymond. And I think Ava DuVernay does a really nice job of portraying the boys, um, who they are, you know, what their likes and interests are, um, a little bit about their personalities. We can see some of them who are involved in sports, others very committed to their music, others, you know, uh, seeking out um, academics and, you know, others with, you know, budding relationships as young teenagers. Um, but she also portrays the activities that happen in Central Park and then documents or, um, you know, shows the eventual arrests and their interrogation. And I'm curious uh, for you, too, was there anything in particular in those scenes where we see the young boys arrested and brought in for interrogation and questioning by the police that really stuck out to you, maybe struck you or surprised you? Yeah, the The biggest thing was just how young they were. They were so young and, you know, they were about the same ages as my sons. And so that really is impactful when you, you know, can see, wow, that could be, that could have been my kid. Um, But they were just so young and they were so manipulated and, and threatened. And it was very angering to see how much they were being taken advantage of. And, um, they were just so unprepared to deal with the police and to deal with a situation like that. They they were at a huge disadvantage and they had no clue what their rights were. Um, they had, you know, most of them had no parental support while they were there, no legal support. And it was just so wrong that they weren't provided that. Um, and they had no idea that they even needed to ask for that. So they were just their their youth, how young they were, was really the most shocking thing to me. I think that. I was like that really bothered me. The interrogation scene, I was really distraught over. Um, but in my mind, when it first when I first heard about the story, I thought that it was like five kids who went out and sought out trouble. And and during the show, you realize and I realize I realize to spoil it. Um, 
you realize that they didn't even know each other. So it was so easy for them to use for the police to use them against each other because they didn't care about the other person. Like they're just trying to get out of this on their own. And um, throughout the very beginning, you can tell that it was just about getting the case over with or just charging somebody and not about actually solving a crime. And I think that was so frustrating to watch because you see all these things happening and like this um, timeline going into play and you know that it's going down a terrible path, but nobody cared and nobody stopped it. And and I think that was one of the frustrating things as you're watching the police do this. You're like, oh, no, somebody's going to catch on to this or somebody's going to stop this. And Mm -hmm. and that never happens. Well, and it almost um, seemed like during the interrogation and then the eventual, you know, planning, preparation and, and then the trial, the scenes in the trial, there were lots of places along the way where things didn't add up. Things didn't seem quite right. There were holes in the prosecution's case. And at no point did anybody, it's almost like there was no moral conscience to go, this doesn't make sense. This isn't quite right. Maybe I need to think twice. And, um, you know, it was sort of like my reputation or the life, the lives of these kids. I'll, I'll, I'll stick to, to protecting my reputation. And another thing, I'm sorry, I'm going back on this. But something else that I think really bothered me was throughout the entire show, they were portrayed as animals, these savages, these animals, these violent kids out there doing this to these people. And and it was very dehumanizing. And so I think it was easier for them to do that. Well, you know, we've got to just, you know, if nothing else, we'll get these kids off the street, even if it's not the right ones. Like, so I think that that dehumanizing of the of the people involved even when you're watching and you're like, why aren't they, why aren't they stopping? Or some people did seem to have a conscience about it. And then it was just kind of overridden, like, oh, yeah, true. Let's just go on with this way. And um, so it was easy to kind of push it aside. And and at the point that, you know, something came up and you would think, oh, OK, now they're going to now they're going to really set the record straight rather than exposing what really was going on in the truth, <laughs> they fit the the circumstances to fit their narrative and how they wanted it to be portrayed they they manipulated the entire situation in their favor and it's that's so contrary to what the justice system is supposed to do mm-hmm. and so that was you know extremely upsetting and angering to see how they just twisted everything and even when it was pointed out oh this doesn't quite fit Okay, well, we know it doesn't fit, but how can we swing it in a way that it still fits our narrative? Right. Did you watch? I know when I watched it, I knew how it turned out. But the whole time it's still like, no, no, they're going to like, it's going to be okay for this kid. He's going to get out with it. He's going to get um, they're going to let him go. And like the whole time I kept hoping that something different would happen, even though I knew it didn't. So it was it was kind of a. It, it was a struggle to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you already knowing what the outcome was going to be. OK, that was one thing. But I think what I was expecting was to see a story where maybe it wasn't so black and white. Maybe there was more circumstantial evidence that I just didn't know about. And that's why it was so hard for the jury you know, to make a decision about whether they were guilty or not guilty. But that just really wasn't the case. That, that just wasn't true. Yeah, there was no physical evidence that tied them to anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they had nothing. So, And they told that to the jury, and the jury just kind of like, oh, well, but all this other stuff that people made up. Right. Even they, they, took those, they took those forced confessions over everything else, even yes. though they were clearly... Um, 
coerced. Coerced. Thank mm-hmm. you. And they didn't add up at the one part, like their confessions. Yes, yeah, so they even made them go the back and like re- restate yes. things to make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even when the uh, the the new DNA evidence that you know showed that there was a sixth person involved, they they made it. Oh well, it's just the sixth unnamed person that you know. Right. That just, oh, well, that's the only random. DNA evidence that we uh, have. But it's okay. But they still did it. Okay. Yeah. And like they're they're acting like oh, there's just a sixth per- sixth person, but we won't look for that person. Right. We got these <laughs> five. Got these We're five. good. good yeah. So. I, th- I think we all agree part of the shocking element of this series is the fact that these were really young boys. I mean, you look in their faces, the actors that are portraying these young men in the movie, and you're just like, these are children. These look like my kids. Mm-hmm. These look like my other family members or maybe kids that I, you know, I um, maybe that you teach at school, Rachel. I, I'm wondering, is this a series that you would actually allow your kids to watch? Uh, my answer to that is yes. Um, after you know speaking with my husband about it, and you know we're we're raising two young black men, and um, we feel like it's very important for them to know this story, and it's something that we'll put some parameters on and watch with them, and take breaks and have some conversations around. But um, we definitely would like to use this as a tool to have some conversations with our kids and and to help prepare them for what they could potentially face as they go out into the world more. And we want them to be equipped. And so this is one of those things that hopefully we can help have conversations to equip them the best that we can. I think I will watch it with my child, but it's going to take a little bit. Well, not, I'm not going to do it immediately. I know she's very inquisitive about things. And so if I would, if we'd come across something and she asks me about it, I haven't fully grasped everything that's gone on. So I'm going to make sure that I'll be able to answer her questions because there's a lot of this where I had questions like, how did this, how did this happen? Or what's, you know, what kept this from, what kept this from happening? And if she would ask that, I don't know that I'd be able to give her a a solid response. Um, Not that there even would be one, but I've kind of got to think through how I'm going to answer her questions. And she's very sensitive to stuff. And I'm not sure she's quite at the point where she'll be ready to watch this. So I would say it might be later, but she, she definitely should watch it and we'll watch it together at some point. So I'm still kind of on the fence. My, well, my youngest is younger than your children. So, um, although she and I, I think have had more conversations about it. She's heard me talking to other people about it, um, which has certainly spurred additional conversations between the, between us where she's asking, like, well, can they really do that? But I thought this is how it worked. And so we talk a little bit about what we're kind of told versus perhaps what reality is when it comes to knowing your rights and what really happens, you know, when you, you get accused of things or you might get arrested. Um, so I think for now, my decision is to not necessarily have my kids watch it. Um, one thing we did do, though, is there is the, the Oprah interview with both the cast as well as the exonerated five and DuVernay that's also available on Netflix that's a one-hour special sort of recapping and again getting that the experience from the the um, the real life um, guys who who went through this we did um, watch that together and I kind of listened to it while I was driving so it's more of a listen than a watch but I felt like that was a nice way to really sort of um approach the subject in a way that made sense according to the the age and understanding of my girls. I do think that it 
you know, age or just maturity level or each kid is different. Every parent knows their kid. And that's really something for each parent to gauge when their kid is ready to have discussions and dialogue about these kinds of things. And that's really important to take into consideration. But one other thing about the Oprah special um, for those adults who maybe it's just too heavy of subject matter to watch the whole series. I've heard from several people that were just like, yeah, I couldn't do it. It's just too much. The Oprah interview would be a really good start for those people to to kind of be introduced to what's, you know, what the series is all about as well. I agree. Yeah, it was, I really I I liked the Oprah series because it did kind of you saw not a happy ending, but you saw that the guys seemed, you know, like they were they were adjusting as well. And mm-hmm. they're kind of they're building themselves now um, after all of this. And they're kind of. They're they're doing reclaiming their lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, there are other parts of it that's a little bit of a struggle, but yeah. So I'm curious for for you to um, since you've watched the series, has it encouraged you to maybe do any other research or go learn anything more about the case or the exonerated five? I did look them up. I did, I looked up all the different people, and I um I just wanted to see what they were able to do once they got out and how they've changed and gone on with their lives. And I, I, I guess my issue was that I thought they're doing like, they've done great things since they got out. So what kind of great things could they have done? Mm-hmm. Like in that time frame where they were in jail. Um, but I haven't done enough as much research as I should have. I guess there were, there's a couple that I kind of like, I do follow a little bit more with Corey, Corey Wise's situation and kind of see what's going on with him more often. I sort of focused more on what happened with him, I guess, than the others. Uh, I think, Charlotte, and you and I, or maybe you too, Rachel, we talked about the, the Ken Burns documentary. I did go back and, and watch that. I didn't finish it, but that documentary was a little bit more um, like factual and it really detailed the, the timeline of the case and everything and where the when they see us is more like the storytelling part of it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to know like more the details about the timeline. So I did go back. I, again, I didn't finish it, but I, I will at some point finish that documentary because that came out. 2012. Yeah, a lot, a lot you know before um this obviously came out but um but yeah that's a good one to go check out too yeah i agree i went back and watched that as well and it's definitely different Mm -hmm. but i really found it to be enlightening so because it because you the duvernay um, version of the story um to me it really encouraged me i was like well what about this or what about this i wonder how this is doing sort of like you said rachel wondering where is everybody at today and um, I think that the Burns documentary definitely fills in some of those details that really yeah. uh, were, were yeah. part of this, the story. Taking action. What's going to be our call to action this week, guys? What do you think? Well, um, since we've talked a little bit about having conversations with our kids, that's going to be our call to action this week. Um is to talk to our kids, uh, you know, about these issues that are important. And if you don't have kids, maybe you have some, you know, nieces or nephews or grandkids or some someone who, some child who you may have some level of influence with um, that maybe you can have conversations with. Maybe students, if you're a teacher, maybe you can prepare as uh, back to school is going to be right around the corner. 
But there's a really cool resource online called Speak Up, Opening a Dialogue with Youth About Racism. It's found at uh, rossieronline.usc.edu. We'll put the link in the show notes. But basically, it's it's a resource. It's a collection of interviews and resource guides. That it's, it's aimed at answering some of the questions that can make some of these topics difficult to talk to kids about. So it's a really cool resource that if you're not quite sure how to approach those conversations. This can give you some really, really cool tools. And there's even a section um, called classroom conversations. So maybe some of you educators out there um, who maybe want to um, introduce some of this into your classroom. There's a really cool section on that too. So if you end up having these conversations, we would love to hear about how that's going. So please share. Again, you can share with us on Facebook, Instagram, you can email us or even uh, leave us a voicemail, but we definitely want to hear how those conversations are going. And we will be sure to share our feedback with you all as well. I've got in the news for this week and the story that I really wanted to talk about is actually a reference to another podcast. Have you guys ever listened to the daily podcast uh, from the New York Times? I have not. I may be here and there, but not regularly. Okay. So, I mean, it's relatively new. I think it's been in the last year that they've started the daily, but it's a really good podcast. It's a really easy way um, to digest or actually go a little bit deeper to on us on a particular story. So that's kind of what they do. They pick out one story that's had, um, that's been high profile and they kind of break it down a little bit further and, and, um, give you some more details on it. So, um, one of my favorite writers, Rachel Held Evans died earlier this year. She passed away suddenly, um, from an illness that came on rather quickly and she took a a sharp decline, decline very quickly. Um, and, you know, I obviously didn't know her personally, but when she passed away, it definitely affected me personally, just because she, to me, she represented a lot of, a lot of people who are questioning their religion, questioning their Christianity, might have ideas in their head where they know they love God and they want to follow Jesus, but there are some things that don't necessarily add up for them. And she was one of those people who was just really open about sort of her Christian walk and how she, you know, came to terms with certain things and, and found peace, but still, um, but still chose to love Jesus and, and serve God. And so to me, she was just kind of a hero. So, so when she passed away, it was, it was, um, it was very sad for me. One of the things that The Daily did um, back in um, early June, and I will um, include a link um, of the podcast recording or the page to the podcast um, in our show notes this week, but they did a feature on the legacy of Rachel Held Evans. And one of the things that they talked about um, was how she used her platform for good, and she really used her voice to give voice to people who didn't necessarily have one. And I feel like, to me, I felt like there was a connection between what Rachel Held Evans chose to do um, through her platform and what we see Ava DuVernay doing as a director. So I also saw another um, interview with Ava, um, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable or something, where she was saying, you know, I, I never really wanted to be, you know, that person who was always doing the diversity movies or diversity series. She she goes, but then after a while, I just kind of accepted that that was what that was my role. That was my responsibility. And I embraced it. And so I see her using her platform as an amazing Hollywood um, producer and director um, to bring light to stories that or to, to retell stories in a way that um, really have meaning and impact. And we see that Rachel Held Evans, um, while she was with us on this earth, did that same thing for other people as well. And so 
um, I just encourage you to, to check out that link to, and listen to the podcast and maybe learn a little bit more about her. And then think about how you can use her platform, whether it's big or small, to bring light to situations um, or create conversations. Thanks. Thanks, Charlotte. That's a little tidbit of inspiration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. So this is our wrap up for this episode of Bound for Justice. Next week, we'll be discussing episodes three and four of When They See Us. And until then, I will talk to you later. Have a great week. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bound for Justice. Join us next week for another conversation about creating change in our lives and the communities we live in.